and welcome to episode 27 of Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. My name is Doug Abel, and I'm joined this week by guest host TFG1 Mike from the GeekCast Radio Network. Hello. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you doing this for us. I gotta say that when I first, when you first told me about your podcast, and I'll, I'll actually clip this for you so you can actually use it later if you want. First thing I heard was the title. I'm like, wow, where's a Limp Biscuit song when you really need it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's, it's kind of nice to be able to sit back and not have to worry about, oh, I have to edit this because this has to be up in 24 hours. Oh, I have to make sure the post is correct. Oh, I have to make sure the file's on the server. Yay, I can just sit back and not do any work and be lazy. Yeah, yeah. this is – I'm going to make everything easy for you. I've got all the recording going on on my end, so you don't even have to worry about that. <laughs> uh, good thing. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about uh, about uh, what you do with KeekCast Radio? All right. So, well – my name is Mike Blanchard. Uh, I go by TFG and Mike online uh, in most everywhere else. It's just easier. Um, originally from Boston, Massachusetts. Hey, home of the Red Sox. Yeah, that's <laughs> home of the world champion Red Sox. That's right. My, my mistake, my mistake. <laughs> Death to the Yankees. Ugh. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, I... I grew up up north. I've been living in Kentucky since 93 or so. Uh, GCRN, GeekCast Radio Network, uh, it's a podcasting network. We also do written blogs and reviews and stuff like that. We started as podcasts. We've kind of stayed as podcasts. Uh, we started the network in 2009. I started my podcasting in late 2008. Um, I, you know, found several podcast. you know, Listening to uh, Boston radio is is kind of easy nowadays since I don't live there because yeah. every every website on the planet for radio stations has listen live, um, but it never used to be that easy, you know. And the first thing I sought out was one of my favorite morning shows up there, Lauren and Wally. And I'm like, oh, cool, they have a podcast. Oh, it's a podcast. And I started looking for other things that interested me. One of the main things that interested me was, at the time, the DC animated universe, uh, the Bruce Timm universe type cartoon. Oh. Batman, Superman. Classic stuff. Uh, Batman Beyond, Justice League. I'm sorry, Teen Titans is not in continuity. I Thank just, you. Oh. Thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> no. that. Show I I know that show has a fan base and I I think that's great, but I'm sorry. Trying no 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 no. Anyway, uh, so I, I liked all that stuff and I looked up podcasts and I had found a podcast called World's Finest Podcast where they were reviewing every single episode of the entire DC Limited Universe and their people because uh, Michael David Sims and James Doe, they're uh, guys who, because their podcast is 100 podcasts, for them, Teen Titans is in continuity or else you wouldn't have 100 episodes. Yeah. Um, and I was like, ooh, is this by the people that – because I was like, 
podcast. Oh, that's a fa- that's something famous. That's something Hollywood, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Which nowadays it's really become something Hollywood with you know Kevin Smith and Fat Man on Batman and Smodcast and Smodco and all that other stuff and talking tunes. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, talking tunes, I give a pass to because yeah. it's Rob Paulson and he's awesome. But oh, of course, <laughs> you know, I I thought okay, so this is going to be Bruce Tim and the creators talking about their own show. And it wasn't, it was just two regular guys. And I, you know, I, I say that loosely. I don't say that to insult them. Two regular guys got a couple of headsets together, got some recording equipment together and decided to review a show. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And I listened to that for a long time. And I think I started listening to them in 2007. I didn't get the bearings to create my own show until 2000, late 2008. Uh, Steve and I, uh, kind of met up online through Twitter because I had joined Twitter by then. And I'm like, yeah, if you want to do all the behind the scenes stuff, including the editing, <laughs> <laughs> like I'll record the stuff. That's, you know, that's, that's fine. Everything else. It's all you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of funny that over the last almost five years that GCRN has been online now, it's, that's taken a whole reverse where I'm pretty <laughs> much doing, I'm not doing everything and I'm not going to say that I, that, that, that I do everything. Steve is still, and he will always be, unless we find someone to do it for us, he will always be the one that does all of our art, whether it's banner art, whether it's podcast art, whatever. So, I mean, he, he, he does all the graphics for the website and the podcast and everything else. Um, we have, I think, over 20 different podcasts for the network, which I'm a voice on almost 15 of them. Not bad. I, I honestly cannot remember. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where I, I had a job with a company where I was a, they call it a living resident. It's essentially like an on-site apartment manager type of thing. And they basically paid me for living in a place and kind of making sure, you know, no one's running them down the halls. No one's, you know, spray painting the walls. No one's throwing other people into the walls and, you know, just general, general apartment care type of stuff. Um, and at the time I was like, okay, well this job takes all of maybe Five hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> five hours a night, depending. I'm like, what am I going to do with all this free time? Because I can't physically, I cannot get an actual, you know, I've tried working at Walmart and I'm just using that as an example because I have. I've tried working at Walmart. I've tried working at grocery stores. and I, I just, I cannot physically stand up eight hours a day straight. I just can't. Yeah. It's just not possible for me to do it. Um. So I'm like, okay, well, how am I going to pass my time? Oh, one of the pieces of advice that Michael David Sims had given me was, if you're going to do a podcast, do it on something you really, really enjoy. You know, make sure that, you know, it's something you really want to talk about and have a knowledge base about. I'm like, oh, Transformers. I know I've been watching Transformers since I was a kid. That That'll be easy. And I tell you the first surprise (laughs) well yeah the first 11 12 episodes of the tfg1 podcast are the worst by like there's no way there's another podcast out there that's worse than the first 12 episodes of my original show because because here i'm thinking like oh you have to be all stiff you have to be you know 
make sure, oh, it's half past the, you know, ra- 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 radio kind of stuff. I oh, was, yeah. That, that, that's what I was thinking of when I was like, you know, when I when I first started. I'm like, after about a year and a half, I'm like, screw this. I'm just going to relax. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I started listening to you guys uh, back when uh, I, I picked up uh, TuneCast because uh, mm-hmm. I'd actually started listening to Talking Tunes. And mm-hmm. I, I heard an interview that you guys had done with um, – Rob. Uh, with Rob and I'd heard the one that you guys did with uh, Maurice LaMarche. And mm-hmm. so for those, that was kind of like, Oh, I heard those and I'm going to go in. Okay. Well, let me start back at episode one and listen through. And I kind of started getting hooked on this stuff and going, wow, this is all cartoons that I grew up with. So. Yeah. yeah I'll, 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 I'll tell you, there's, there's never been an interview that I've had more stress and almost had a heart attack over than that Maurice LaMarche interview. <laughs> it's not because of Mr. LaMarche at all. He's a wonderful man to talk to, but it was a learning experience because ever since then, at the end of every interview that I've ever done since that date, I always ask the guest, is there anything that you've said that you want me to cut out? Oh. Is there anything that you do not want out there? And, and this is all because of that uh, the information about Arkham Arkham Asylum getting released. Yes. <laughs> In the interview, we asked Maurice Lamarche a question. We asked him what type of voice acting does he prefer: animation, uh, video game, uh, voice dub, whatever. This was. I'm actually looking at the post now. This was April sixteenth, twenty ten. This was three years ago. <laughs> Oh, and he said he began to tell us a story about video game voices. And he said, you know, I just got a gig on Arkham Asylum as Mr. Freeze. I'm like, oh, really? Can can you do the voice for us? He's like, well, contractually, I'm not allowed to do so, blah, 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 blah. And that's fine. That's great. I get they All these voice actors right. with, with video games and everything else, sometimes they sign NDAs. And I understand that. And yeah. I was like, oh, darn. And I don't remember him asking us to edit it out. There was this whole back and forth, back and forth about he was going to send us an email saying, hey, can you cut that out? Apparently, we were too fast in putting the show together and putting it online oh. for him to send that email. <laughs> and some little no-name game site picked it up and then IGN picked it up and then it was everywhere. (laughs) Holy crap. Maurice LaMarche is the voice of Mr. Freeze and Batman Arkham Arkham Asylum or Arkham City or whatever, whichever game it was. And we were like, oh, wow. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, that that was a learning experience. So every interview, I do two things now. I make sure they understand that if if they do, I'm not saying that every every person does curse, I always always make sure and let them know that it is an explicit network. So if you curse, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. But, and, and, and at the end, I always ask them, do you want us to edit anything out of it? Yeah. Before we even go into production on it, because, <laughs> you know, we don't need another. Because, like, after we put that up, like, two days later, all, all this happened. I was literally about to have a heart attack. I'm like, well, I've got, I've got the man's contact number on my phone. Should I call his agent? Should I call him? Should I do that? Oh, my God. What am I going to do? Holy crap. 
it was like my oh man what I'm actually on the interview page now this was uh was this our how many interviews have we done to this point one two three four five six. this was our sixth overall interview for the network <laughs> with Maurice and I'm like crap six interviews and my career interviewing celebrities is done <laughs> holy crap um but no Maurice was he's he's a swell guy he's an awesome guy um i've been trying to have him back eventually but but yeah that that was a very much a learning experience um uh yeah you know five years and all the people we've taught like if you told me six years ago i'd be talking to all these people there are only two interviews that are on our interview page that we have not done yet Uh one is lee tokar who is uh the voice of Ravage from Beast Wars, uh, and an, up, an update interview with Johnny Young Bosch. Uh, at the time, when I wanted to get those interviews, um, one, the lead tow car, one was for Beast Unleashed when that was still going on, which is our Beast Wars, Beast Machines podcast. The other one with Johnny was because it was revealed at the time that he was going to be the voice of Bumblebee for the War for Cybertron game and the oh. fall of Cybertron game. Um, and as everyone knows, Johnny is the uh, Adam the Black Ranger from Power Rangers, so I wanted to get a more in-depth interview with him. But, I mean, we've talked to people. Like, we've, I've talked to Larry Kenny twice. I've talked to Rob Paulson twice. I've talked to uh, Robert Axelrod and Barbara Goodson, Lord Zed and Rita. Actually, that was a fun interview. That, oh, was, an, that was an interesting interview there. Um Dan Gilvezan, Kevin Conroy. I've talked to the damn Batman people. Oh, man. Jason David Frank, Tommy the Green Ranger, White Ranger, Red. Well, the red doesn't count, but Black Dino Ranger. Like, it's staggering. Steve Bloom, the voice of Tom from Toonami uh, and many other things. It's it's staggering. Really Steve. just staggering. Recently, uh, this year, we had um, Lauren Lester return and talk to him. Uh, who else did we have this year? Uh, I talked with Kyle Higgins, the current Nightwing scribe. Love talking to him. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a whirlwind. And it was like, why do you, how do you get all these interviews? How do you get all these cool guests? How do you, you know, and it's honestly, the trick is, and I'm not saying that everyone needs to go out and do this, but honestly you pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> I fully believe that. I mean, I've, I've, you know, well, it's some like the Greg Berger interview we did on, on TFG one podcast, uh, more, more recently, the Greg Berger and the Dan Gilvezan. Uh, I reached out through Facebook for that. I believe, um, uh, other times you have to go through their agents and how we do that is you buy an IMDB pro subscription it's I think it's like fifteen bucks a month or like one hundred and twenty five dollars for a year. Oh, that's not bad. Uh, no, it's not bad. But you know, you got to have the money to do so, yeah. and you got to you know, you can't just say, "Oh, I'm a huge, huge fan. I would love to talk to you," and then you can't just go to the interview and be like, "Um, um, you, you, you're you're the voice of Bumblebee. Oh my God, you're the, look, look." It, it's like, mom, he's touching me. He's touching me. You can't do that. You have to go in with a plan. You have to go in with. Usually, we go in with at least anywhere from twenty to thirty different questions, and then depending on the time length 
Because when I send when I send out an interview request, it'll be um, blah 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 blah. Would like to talk to Mr. Gilvezan on this date. Interviews generally last from thirty minutes to forty thirty to forty five minutes. However, we can cater to Mr. Gilvezan's time. And if yeah. someone comes back and says, "Well," you can only have this much. We then have to either cut or uh, interviews is where we work the hardest during an actual recording because it's scrambling. Cause the other thing is some of these people will, you'll ask them a question and they'll give you an answer that actually answers the next two questions you were going to ask. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, he answered that. He answered that. Skip that. Skip this. Skip. That. It's like, nah. Yeah, you're you're just scrambling trying to figure out what you're going to ask him next. <laughs> yeah, you may have a list of questions, but some of these people get on here and they're talkers, and that's great. That's that's wonderful. Um, and it's like, oh well, there's no sense in asking him the same thing that he just answered in in the in the previous answer to the previous question. Yeah, um, but it's it's been a blast. You know, 2014 is our five year anniversary. I can't believe we've gotten. To five years online, we're we're launching a new, uh, new web design stuff and and everything else starting next year. Uh, because I got so sick and tired of everybody saying, "Oh, TFT on podcast, oh that show sucks," and I'm not saying it doesn't. It does. But like I said, the first twelve episodes really weren't and aren't that great at all as far as audio quality and just as far as like presence i i learned with that show that i cannot do a one-man show yeah i i was the same way i mean you listen to some of the early episodes of uh, talking about my generation and i'll be straight up they sucked (laughs) (laughs) i i just cannot do a one-man show i i have to have someone to to react to or someone to react to me um and you know i think it was was it last year it was it was recently. I was like, somebody said something about, oh well, I forget if it was an iTunes review or if it was online comment or something or other. Someone said, oh well, he's doing pretty good on this show. It's it's better than his first show, TFG and podcast. And I just got, I just got so fed up. You know, I was just like, you know what, fuck it, we're redoing it. So next year to celebrate thirty anniversary, thirtieth anniversary of Transformers, the TFG Two podcast is coming, and we're gonna do it right. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we're gonna go back and we're gonna do it right with audio and with with proper host, you know, hosts and and everything else. And we're we're just gonna go back and we're going to uh, review the same ninety eight episodes again. You know, kind of like a. 2008, 2014, uh, math sucks, six years later. So we're just going to do the same damn thing again, but we're going to have it structured differently. Um, If you listen to either Masked Mayhem, which is our mask podcast, or Powers of Grayskull, Tales of Eternia, which is our He-Man review show, those are structured in a way where we tell you the good we tell you the plot and discuss that. We discuss the good points. We discuss the bad points. And then we give an overall rating at the end. And that's kind of how TFG2 is going to happen. And most people are like, oh, G2. You mean you're going to review that really, really cool 
repackaged episodes that are just the G1 episodes and that cybernetic space cube. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> and that's part of the promotion that I did was uh, when I originally created the um, the trailers for it, I'm like, I put in, and now from the cybernet, you know, Cybernet Space Cube, The Adventures of the Transformers, Record Scratch, a new. We're not doing G2, we're doing G1, but we're going to do it right this time. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, it's, it, it's been a blast. We've, we've uh, had movie week in review, which for the first, I think it's actually over a hundred episodes, but like the first hundred or so episodes are a movie a week, uh, used to come out every Saturday. Uh, now we've gone to, uh, what we are dubbing MY weekly where uh, Movie Revolt Dan, Optimus Solo, and Booth Ninja, uh, Mike Booth Ninja Powers, uh, they, they talk about, you know, movie news, and and they do, a, like, a mini-review in their episodes and stuff like that, and I've kind of jumped on and done uh, The Pull Bag, which is our new comic book show, and kind of got into that route, and, yeah. There was a whole paradigm shift for me where once um, MattyCollector.com basically screwed with me too many times i'm like eh, nope i'm done with toy collecting i don't and blame you back in 2011 2010 2011 i had some financial issue, issues where i had to basically sell off my entire toy collection i just lost interest like i still like looking at toys i think they're cool i still have you know a couple of little items but like back in 2010 i my whole entire bookshelf was toys half my desk i i have this uh super giant desk that cost like $700. It was a oh. final gift from my grandparents once um, a sale of their, their home went through and all that stuff. Uh, it's a six foot by nine foot desk and it's basically takes up basically my living room where I live in my apartment is my office is oh. basically what it is. Who, who needs a couch really? But yeah, <laughs> uh, um, but yeah the, the toys took up, Pretty much all the desk, all the bookshelf, every, everywhere you could think of, I had toys. And, and and just stuff happened with buying toys online. And I'm like, I just don't – you promise us one thing and then you go back and, and change it and change it and change it. And by the third change, I'm like, no, eh, done, wrong, sorry. Yeah. And well, I, I, I was just done. I still respect the art of toy collecting and I still like looking at toys, but I have absolutely zero desire to uh collect them anymore unless it's something comic related because i do know now that i'm into comics <laughs> there are a number of different statues out there that i would love to have oh i i'm the same <laughs> way i mean i i've been going you know i, I tell people this this will be uh once i get my tickets here on the pre on the pre-sale uh which is supposed to be coming sometime this month or uh next month for comic-con uh, I've been going to Comic-Con for – it'll be 23 years now in a row, and I have seen all that sort of stuff change with the comics, the – you know, everything has changed. It's – even the toy collecting back, you know, 10 years ago, it was not anywhere near as big as it is now. You used to be able to walk up with, you know, a ticket that you'd be able to buy stuff straight from a Mattel or you'd be able to buy stuff from Hasbro. Now it's – you know, you see all these people just going crazy, and they're dropping ten grand at the Hasbro booth to buy, you know, 50 or whatever, however many uh, hoverboards that they could buy from Back to the Future. Or they're buying, 
you know, the, the, uh, I want to say the giant Astro Train or whatever it was that they were selling that was the uh, SDCC exclusive this year. Yeah. You know, I mean, just incredibly insane. And they're turning around and selling it back on eBay. That's not fun for me. You know, that's not yeah. what Comic-Con is anymore. Okay, I can understand. You know, okay. Yeah, and I understand that uh, more specific because I don't – Comic-Con's too – like Comic-Con is too big for me. Yeah. Like, I love seeing all the panels. I love looking online and, and seeing what videos people put up of panels and stuff like that. But Comic-Con in general is too big for me. But there is one way I, I kind of understand that I, I will not and I, I never, ever have support any kind of scalping or scalpers. However, when it comes to BotCon – for me personally, if I ever go to BotCon, I want the full experience. I want to be able to buy that that package and say, yeah, this is a box set I really want to have. This is a theme I really want for these toys. At the same time, if you go to BotCon and you get all the other at convention type of like meet and greets and, and panels and whatever else, not counting any, you know, buying any toys or anything like that, um, and you don't care about the set – Turning around immediately as soon as you get there and putting it on eBay basically pays for your trip. True. That's the only reason. Uh, and I and I and I and I agree with you. I really cannot stand seeing people. Uh, what it really pisses me off is when I look on eBay and I see like um, what was that? Um, what was that uh, Power Rangers thing that was there this year? The oh. the coin, the Dragon Zord, White Tiger Zord yeah. coin thing. I saw pre-orders for that on eBay for like it started at like fifty dollars and it went up to like five hundred dollars for something that they didn't even have in hand yet. Yeah, and these guys are banking on that, that and it scares the that, hell out of me. That pisses me off. Like I said, if 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 you go to Botcon, you get the convention experience for Transformers, and you don't care about the box set, and you turn around and you sell it. To pay for your trip, that I understand. But if you're yeah. buying three, four, five different things, three or four, five of the same thing to scalp them, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 that's just wrong. Yeah, and it's sad when you see people like you know, literally like Seth Green walking through in in the Hasbro line. He's trying to get up there so he can buy, you know. He actually went in to go buy the My Little Pony set. I saw him there this year, and he was trying to cut in front of people. So that he could get his item and get to his panel that he was going to later that day. I mean, yeah. it's, it's absolutely insane when you see people like that, or you see, uh, God, not I, I want to say, um, I, I want to say Bruce Timm, and I know that's not right. Um, Me, I can't remember his last name, but he was uh, he works at DC, and he was actually standing in front of me uh, trying to go buy something at uh, at. Uh, Mattel two years ago. He, I think he wanted the cars uh, SDCC exclusive that was there mm-hmm. and he was trying to get in there and it was just, you know, it's insane for that, but it is what it is, you know? So anyway, let's go ahead. We'll jump in. And since we're, since we're going to do a podcast here about a Thanksgiving movie, we'll try and jump in here and I'll try and steer us back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're actually going to talk this week about a film that kind of revolves around Thanksgiving and it's a John Hughes film, uh, kind of going back, revolving around a horrible trip involving Steve Martin and John Candy. 
Uh, and we're going to talk, that movie here is uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which is a 1987 American comedy film. Uh, again, it stars Steve Martin as Neil Page, uh, who's kind of a high-strung marketing executive. Uh, he meets Del Griffith, uh, who's played by John Candy, uh, who is really optimistic, overly talkative, and just kind of annoying pain in the ass. <laughs> Uh, that's the best way I can say it. Uh, he's actually a shower ring salesman, which that comes into play later, and I love the scenes that he has with that. Uh, but they basically share a three-day odyssey to get from Chicago, or, or they're trying to get no, back to Chicago. From, Excuse me. from New York to Chicago. That's yeah. right. Uh, but they end up in places like Wichita and all over the place. So Yeah. Uh, but what did you think of the movie here? I mean... I have always loved this movie. I... I think I was I, I I don't remember if I saw I know I, did, I I was I have this thing where unless it's I was raised in a generation where parents cared but they didn't care if that makes any sense Oh yeah because my mom let me watch almost anything my mom let me watch the Simpsons I went to my dad's house and my stepmother said oh that's that's too violent they they curse too much you can't watch that show oh my god it's the end of the world it's the whatever yeah i'm uh, hart simpson who the hell are you <gasps> exactly um so i grew up watching pretty much anything and everything and i no, I wasn't in the theater for this. I was seven years old. I know I wasn't in the theater. But I think I saw it like a year. I, I don't remember how long. Like not like, I think ever since the late nineties, I kind of knew from the point of a movie being in a, in the theater when it was going to hit VHS. Yes, kids, that's right. I said VHS. Hell, I even remember Beta very barely, but I remember Betamax. You and me both, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. You know, you look at nowadays where uh, Iron Man 3 came out and then, like, um, came out in May of this was – it, it was May of this year, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. May of this year, Iron Man 3 came out. September 24th of this year, the DVD, Blu-ray, whatever the heck you want to call it, came out. So that's basically four months yeah, it, and it used to take what a year and a half before we yeah, see the VHS. Yeah, it used to. Take, it, used to t it, it never really dawned on me for the longest time how long it actually took when I was a kid for a film to from the theater to the actual media release. And I know, as I said, I didn't see it. In the, I think it was eighty, sometime in eighty-eight when I saw it. And even at eight years old, this movie, even though it, I didn't understand it all, I understand the basic plot of it of the guy needs to get home to his family for Thanksgiving. Right. And this is, I'm sure there are others if I really did research and looked into it, but between this and a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, these are the only two Thanksgiving movies I really even remember because it's like, Ooh, Halloween, let's scare everybody or Ooh, Halloween. Let's, you know, wait yeah. for the great pumpkin. And then boom, Christmas. Yes. Like, you know, right now, as of this recording, uh, you know, it's not even – we're I, I think we're two weeks away from Thanksgiving. Yeah. On the radio here in Louisville, Kentucky, we have two different stations that are both playing Christmas music. It hasn't even 
been Thanksgiving yet. We haven't even murdered turkeys yet. Come yes. on, people. It drives me nuts. My wife has been watching Christmas movies on Lifetime Network, and oh my <laughs> god, I hate Lifetime. <laughs> the sad thing is, is that um, I have a bunch of them DVR'd from Hallmark. <laughs> Oh, and I don't, I don't watch them, but like there, there are some. Yeah, um, you know there are some that have already come out. Uh, Twelve Dates of Christmas, which is Melissa Joan Hart and uh, or not Melissa Joan Hart. Uh, that's Twelve Dates of Christmas is um, Zach from Saved by the Bell, Mark Paul oh, Gosler, yeah, and, and somebody else. I I forget. I'm not lo- looking at any research, but I love that movie. Holiday in Handcuffs is the one with Melissa Joan oh, Hart. And, and Mario Lopez. Mario yeah. Lopez. Yeah, I, I'll give you that uh, one. <laughs> you know, I like that kind of stuff. There was one last year with Hillary Barton or Burton or whatever her name is, um, the chick that plays Sarah Ellis on White Collar Yeah, uh, called Naughty or Nice, where, that you know, some of them are pretty good, but you have to be in the mood for them. And I agree. Yes, they are on my DVR. Have I watched any of them right away? No, I'm saving them for <laughs> when it actually – Christmas to me, and this is going to – I know I'm off on a tangent here, but it's its because that Thanksgiving gets overlooked is why I'm on this tangent, people. Yeah. Christmas to me, and this is just me, December 1st to December 26th. That's it. Yeah. 26 days. I, I, I will give my wife this. I, I said – I told her, I says, okay, you can put Christmas decorations up, but not until after Thanksgiving. Black Friday starts, great. Start putting it up. I don't care. Be- you know, this year it's going to be right around that time. You know, I have no problem with it, but you have to have Thanksgiving dinner and you have to have turkey and cranberry sauce and stuffing first. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. my rule. And my wife is cool with that. Yeah. You know, so. But that's kind of why I wanted to do something about Thanksgiving. I know last week we did uh, WKRP in Cincinnati, and the whole reason I did that was because of the turkey drop that Les Nessman does, which if you've never seen it, Go find it on YouTube. It's hilarious. It's, it's so hilarious. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, but no, this movie is a, it's, you can tell what kind of character Neil Page is going to be before he even gets out of his meeting. Oh, yeah. Because he, he's, he's mouthing to the other guy, I have to go. You know, because that. They have this boss that just can't decide on which ad he's going to go with. And it's one of those bosses that doesn't even say anything. And he's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And, oh, yeah. it, and there's all this stuff. Uh, my mom asked me. Uh, I, my mom said, I can't hear it. I said, they're not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> there is no uh, – there's audio, but there's no audio because they're not actually doing anything. They're all waiting around for this guy to make up his mind. Now, and have, you watched, uh, have huh? you watched all the way through to the end of the credits? Because at the very end, they show the boss still sitting there, and he's still trying to make up his mind at the very end of the movie. <laughs> no, I've I've never watched all the way to the end of the credits. Um, but this 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 movie is a true road tripping movie because oh yeah, holy crap, the stuff that happens to this guy <laughs> not just because of Del Griffith, but happens to both of them. Like the whole thing with the car. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing with the car catching on fire. Um, yes. The scene with, you know, even even before that with Edie McClurg. Uh Dell, where is your other hand? Yes. Between two pillows. Those, Those aren't pillows. pillows. <laughs> 
oh, and then of course they're you know going back and forth. Ah, oh, so how was the Bears game? You know, yeah, how about the Bears? Bears. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like when an uncomfortable moment comes up, guys, just talk about football. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to I want to touch real quick on some of the cast here for this movie. Uh, obviously, we've got Steve Martin as Neil Page. Uh, Steve, I I love Steve. He's actually done so much. Uh, you know, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, yeah. uh, the the original Muppet movie. Uh, my one of my favorites that he's done was The Jerk. Uh, you know, I was born a poor black child in Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but one of the things that I do know about a little bit of trivia with Steve is that he originally got his start. Uh, he actually used to work at Disneyland in Main Street, USA at the Magic Shop there. Uh, and he was actually working there. And that's part of how he became a banjo player was that he was going to the Golden Horseshoe at Disneyland and watching some of the people there. And he learned to play banjo from some of the people uh, like Wally Sparks. So, he, you know, that's kind of how he got his start to move into entertainment. So I was kind of glad to see that. Yeah. Uh, coming down next person I got it. I want to talk on, uh, John Candy as Del Griffith. Uh, I, I love John going back to strange brew, uh, you know, space balls, summer rental, uncle buck, great outdoors, home alone. Uh, you know, John, John Hughes loved John Candy. I swear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he did. Uh, have you already done uncle buck? No, actually, I have not yet. Um, oh, I, my God. I will probably be doing that in, like, February. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, we did it on, on Movie Week in Review, and one of the lines that sticks out of that, first of all, that was Macaulay Culkin before Macaulay Culkin was Macaulay Culkin because yeah. that's the young Macaulay before Home Alone. And and here, here's a quarter. Go down to the <laughs> – yeah. On the street corner, that have a rat nut thing off your face. Yes, <laughs> there's so many good things about that movie. And yeah, you're right, John. He has done so much, so much, and it's stuff that's like if you watch it, uh, like if you watch his movies in order, I'm sure they would, you know, that you wouldn't expect to see. Him and some of the stuff, but if you watch them, really, if you watch them out of order is the best way, like out of release date order, because I knew he was in Spaceballs. I knew he was in Planes, Trains, Automobiles. I knew he was in Summer Rental and, and Uncle Buck and all that, but it's strange sometimes where he pops up. It oh, yeah. Really, I was not expecting him to show up in Home Alone. I really was not. I kind of wasn't either. And all of a sudden you see him and he's playing with a polka band. And it was, yeah. you know, in a way he kind of did the same Del Griffith character in there because you kind of see him introducing him. You know, we're the, we're the third great, third biggest polka band in, in, you know, greater, greater Wisconsin or something like that. I forget what the line was, but yeah. you know, it's kind of that. And he's doing the same thing for plane trains and automobiles where he's talking about being a shower ring salesman. <laughs> yeah. A couple other people I do want to just touch on real quick here. Uh, I I usually do a game in our podcast where we talk about uh, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon and I link every, I I try to link a movie actor to Kevin Bacon. Unfortunately, I can't do it with this movie because he actually is in this movie. So, you know, I'm not even going to worry about that. He was actually uh, chasing down for a taxi at the very beginning with, uh, with Steve Martin. Yeah. Uh, Another person, we have Michael McKean, who I like. 
Uh, he's done numerous, numerous appearances. He was actually a state trooper that pulled him over when the car was burned out. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know who Michael McKean is, uh, he was David and St. Hubbins on uh, This is Spinal Tap. Uh, let me see what else. Uh, oh, he was Perry White on Smallville. Uh, there was an episode of Smallville that they did. Uh, but probably everybody knows him as being Lenny on Laverne and Shirley. Oh, yeah. So he's one of my favorites, you know. I mean, a uh, couple of other people here. Uh, let me see. We've got Larry Hankin as Doobie. Uh, he was uh, Weird Mr. Heckles on a couple of episodes of Friends. Uh, Carl Alphonse and Billy Madison. Uh, he was actually off Officer Balzac in Home Alone, so there's another tie back to John Hughes. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Oh, and, and somebody else who kind of surprised me, on screen for very little time, and this was actually his first appearance uh, in a movie, was Matt Lawrence. Uh, yeah. He showed up Whoa. as... Yeah, you know, that was, that was the whole thing. And I, Of course, you know, I remember him from Brotherly Love, uh, which yeah. he did with his brothers. Yes. Uh he was also Jack Hunter on Boy Meets World. Uh, and then he, he came in and he was playing as young Joey on Blossom, which I was kind of surprised by. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was playing young Joey and real Joey was old Joey. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, we have uh, we have Ben Stein, who makes a quick appearance in the movie, quick cameo, uh, announcing for uh, shutting down the flights out of, out of uh, Wichita, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. And, of course, our absolute favorite scene in this movie, we have Edie McClurg telling Steve Martin that he's fucked. (laughs) It just... And that scene really starts when the music starts. Really does. Because you have to go through this journey with Neil of him going across these runways and walking down this highway and everything else. And then he gets there and... And you see her just talking away on her phone about Thanksgiving. And uh, if Edie McClurg didn't have any, and I'm not saying she doesn't, but if she didn't have any acting talent whatsoever, she would be the best turkey turkey gobbler ever. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the best female turkey gobbler. If there's a if there's a uh, Grammy for that or a, or a Oscar for that, she'd win. Because holy crap, that was funny as hell. Um, oh. I think I could be wrong, and I probably am, but at least for me, this was, as a kid, this was the most times in one scene in a movie that I heard the word fuck. <laughs> I, would, I would put it right up there as well. I mean, I'm kind of surprised that this movie wasn't like, that more people weren't like, oh my god, I can't believe he just said that. Because I have to be honest, I don't think I've ever heard Steve Martin swear up before this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm sure he has, but this was like yeah. the big one. And him yeah. dropping the F-bomb as many times as he did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I have to say that I love this cast. Everybody who was in it was just so well, worked so well together. Uh, kind of want to moving into the plot here a little bit, just kind of so that people know what happens. Uh, basically, he's trying to get from New York. You know, we have uh, Neil Page who's trying to get from New York to go back to Chicago. He's, he starts off and he's got a plane ticket that he's trying to go and land in Chicago at 6.45. And the whole thing, just the, the taxis at the very beginning, he's trying to find a taxi. He gets caught up with a lawyer who's screwing him out of a taxi. Uh, we see, we get a chance to see uh, Del Griffith. 
showing up and Del Griffith steals his taxi and, and he has to fight him to the airport. Then he ends up with that whole thing about, hey, you want a lifesaver? You know, can I get you a Slurpee or something or anything? And Del's just trying to be a friendly person and trying to say he's sorry in a way. The greatest thing about this movie is the reveal of John Candy because you don't have like they did. John Hughes did this perfectly as far as a film director. You've got Neil arguing with the lawyer guy over the price of what he's going to pay him to let him to have the cab, which is probably more than what the cab even costs or maybe just as much. I don't know. It is New York. and it wasn't. Yeah. I'm sure now it's even more, but you have, you don't even see John Candy. You see the taxi cab driver being frustrated with the two guys arguing, and then some other guy opens the door or someone else opens because we don't even see who it is. You see him set the trunk down, and then you don't see him until Neil catches up to the cab and opens the door, and John Kenny's like, huh? What? Yeah. This is my cab. And then, and then they drive off. So it's it, that, that was the perfect way to introduce the character is not even – that's the way comedy characters need to be introduced. Yes. More often because you can't just have – I don't want to let my Will Ferrell hate come out here. But you can't just have a Will Ferrell character pop up and say, hey, I'm I'm Will Ferrell. You know, I'm here. You know, laugh at me because I'm funny, which you're not. Yeah. Anyway. You know, to some extent, sometimes that will work for certain movies if it's going to be, you know, that you're going to make fun of that person. But yeah. in this case here, no this this was classic how they how they brought John Candy in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they they go through all sorts of stuff here on their on their trek to get back to Chicago. I mean, they end up uh, what is it? We end up they their plane gets delayed in Wichita, so they end up taking that horrible taxi to the hotel. Yeah. Uh, God, that taxi was hilarious. Looking at it, it was it looked all like right. something straight out of Cheech and Chong. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, is um, the whole time I was watching that, the song that was playing in my head was Magic Carpet Ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they end up getting there to the hotel. They have they have all their money stolen that night. Uh, they have no cash. They end up having credit cards, which do them absolutely no good. Uh, yeah. Dell ends up pulling out uh, – what is it? They find somebody who, who's a friend of his or something that – uh, his son is going to end up driving him to the train station. And then the son's like, oh, you don't want to go to the one in Wichita. That's not unless you're an animal. Yeah. The, the people train is, is 30, 60, 90 miles away. <laughs> in Stubbsville. <laughs> in Stubbsville, yeah. 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 And, of course, they're trying to put their luggage into the back of the truck. No, she can do it. You know, she she had a baby come out sideways and didn't <laughs> scream or nothing. <laughs> when somebody – when you when – you, you posted on Facebook about this, and somebody commented with that, and I'm like, "What are they talking about?" And then I, because I, because I haven't watched this movie. Like I said, we we did it for MWire a um, number of years ago. I think it was episode 49 of MWire, and we're so far beyond that at this point. And I haven't gone back to it recently, and I was like, "What is that person talking?" And then I got, I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, it just—it's one of those lines that just catches you off guard, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is—that's comedy gold right there." Yeah, it is. <laughs> but I, I know that they are having—they have so many misfortunes, and they're trying to get back and trying to get back, and they finally have this huge argument and blow up and. And I know Dell is like trying to find some way to get money, and that scene where they're in the bus station and there's he's selling shower curtains as earrings. Yeah, 
he's going off about them being like made in Nepal or something like that and just being yeah. perfect. And, well, this is a replica of, of what was made for the Chinese emperor. I'm just like, oh, my God, really? And people are buying this shit? <laughs> it was the 80s. People bought a lot of shit in the 80s. Without yeah. explanation. The one thing that kind of bugs me about the movie is I get that Neil is and, – and this isn't really a mark against it because there really are no marks against this movie. But one thing that kind of do, does bug me is I was watching it the other night in prep for this. Why are they both going to carry large sums of – like I get it back then. Credit cards were just kind of like the, the new big upcoming thing, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And, I don't even know if banks had debit. I don't think debit cards even were around then. I don't remember a debit card. I don't remember. I remember my mom and my dad having credit cards, but I don't remember debit cards. So I can kind of understand why they would carry cash around like that. But why would you carry it all in one place? So yeah. Neil says, I had $700 in here. I had $206.77, whatever Dell says. And I'm yeah. like, I, I don't like I, I nowadays I do not unless it's maybe one or two dollars I do not carry cash. Yeah, I mean I, I'm lucky to have a twenty in my wallet half the time. <laughs> and that's the other thing, the airport security. Oh my god! When Neil is rushing to the gate, yeah, he didn't even go through like. And and that's one of the things I love about 80s films, comparing them to today's standards, because holy crap, it was so much more relaxed back then. Oh, yeah. You could walk <laughs> right up and have a drink in your hand and be yeah. right on the plane. And now it's, hey, let's get, an, you know, let's get a cavity search going here before we get you on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I have to mention that car that they had, that horrible, horrible car that they were driving that got burned up. <laughs> That thing was hilarious. I mean, it it reminded me something straight out of vacation, of National Lampoon's vacation, because it, it looked just like the family truckster. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a station wagon, but it was pretty close. It had that green, had the faux wood paneling on it. And I'm just yeah. like, John Hughes brought it back, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they go through, I know that the very end of the movie here, uh, Spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen this movie. They get back to Chicago. Dell ends up Steve Martin's character finally finds out that Dell doesn't have any place to go, that he's basically homeless and that he's been kind of living out of this trunk that he's been carrying around throughout the entire movie. And mm-hmm. he kind of says, "You know what? Why don't you come home with us, have Thanksgiving dinner?" and he introduces him to his family, which I thought was kind of nice. Um uh, Yeah. You know, it it was it was a good ending to the movie, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, really, that's how you're going to end it and then just leave it at that? But I don't know what else they could have done for that, Beyond, I mean, what else are they going to do? They're going to show Thanksgiving Day with them sitting around talking about the bears. I mean, yeah. come on. You know? <laughs> the bears, doubles, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know that with this movie here, a couple little things for background on it. Uh, we did have that Hughes actually shot over 600,000 feet of film. Uh wow. Yeah, it was actually supposed to be – there actually is somewhere a three-hour version of the movie, which, okay, I, I have to say that the movie felt like it was long enough as it was. I really yeah. do not want to see the three-hour version of this thing. <laughs> no. Uh, I know that when they were trying to do that uh, – when they are trying to do the rental car scene, 
they couldn't find a rental car company that would allow them to put their logo out there because they didn't want to seem completely yeah. inept and you know driving away and leaving him there having no car or anything like that they ended up having to make an outfit come up with the logos put up costuming and everything for Edie McClurg and it was just this horrible thing also that they could do that to pull it off and make it look bad uh but they were they were filming all over the place for this uh they were filming in and out of uh uh Illinois and they really actually didn't do anything. I didn't find anything here where they were filming in Kansas or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of it was done out of Illinois due to uh, the tourism bureaus trying to get them to come in. Uh, and the – let me see. Oh, you know what? I actually found here. I do have it written down. Uh, that whole tirade from Steve Martin, he says fucking 18 times in a minute and that's the that's the whole reason that the film got rated uh r for this movie yeah that's well yeah but that's but that's not bad though and and it just goes to show you that see what surprised me about the last i think this year alone versus 2012 or 2011 is i've seen more trailers for the rated R film kind of made a comeback this year. Yeah. The last two, three, four, five, six, maybe seven years, PG-13, PG-13, PG-13. It's it's like it doesn't matter what it is. The MMPAA just – the MPAA just really says, oh, no, it's it's good, PG-13. It's, it's good enough. And – you don't see a lot of rated R classics. You do now. I'm sure they'll become classics, but you don't see a lot of rated R classics like this. No. Like um, your audience, and you may or may not disagree, but uh, like Cocktail, you know, you don't yeah. see a lot of that, the rated R comedies that much. And if you do, it's, oh, hey, let's let's have The Hangover Part 7 and a half. That's like, ugh. Or how many American Pie movies do you have to have? That you know? are not only theatrical releases, but the straight-to-DVD ones as well. Yeah. That, that don't even have the original cast. Yeah. The only people that were from the original cast was um, Eugene Levy, I think. he was He's <laughs> the one that's been in all the American Pie <laughs> movies. And even then, how many times do you need to see Eugene Levy on the screen? Yeah. I like the guy. He's, he's a cool actor, but the Jim's dad role kind of... Wears on you after a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, I do have a bit of trivia on this film here. Uh, I had to laugh. The, the whole scene where you see them flying in the air and they're flying to Wichita, mm-hmm. uh, that was actually a clip out of Airplane, uh, the original 1980 film, where you see the plane and it's flying through the storm. Uh, they actually did not have any footage that they were going to use, and they just cut it out and put it in there. Uh, uh, and... A uh, couple of other things here is that when John Candy is running through or uh, when he's talking about uh, drinking the rum in the hotel room, mm. he's talking about going to Jamaica. I had to kind of laugh about that because later on he does end up going to Jamaica to play in Cool Runnings. <laughs> yeah. A uh, couple of other things here is that when they were going to go do uh, – they were trying to film some of the snow scenes and have snow on the ground uh, outside of some of the air, uh, some of the airports and such. Mm-hmm. It was actually unseasonably warm. They were having like 80-degree weather at that time in like November, sort of like we're having here in San Diego right now. 
Uh, it's California. <laughs> yeah. There is nothing below 80 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can wear shorts pretty much year-round. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they actually – it was funny because when they were doing it, uh, they actually had to truck snow in to try and get it to where it looked like there was snow on the ground. Wow. Uh, so uh, I was a little upset in the version that I saw. That apparently there is a televised version uh, where John Candy and Steve Martin are eating – they're actually eating dinner on the plane or eating a meal on the plane. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where they have a long-haired passenger in front of Steve Martin. Uh, that person lets their hair down and it falls right into his dessert and it's like, uh, yeah. And you see John Candy reach over and grab it and he starts eating it. And apparently that was in the televised version and not in the theatrical release, which I was kind of bummed about. But I guess I guess they put that in to kind of cover up for the time where Steve Martin is swearing like crazy. Yeah, that's probably why. So uh, – now, one other thing that I did find here, John Hughes, uh, in the he did an interview for the uh, for the the version of the DVD that uh, those aren't pillows. Uh, he actually was in, he said he was inspired to write this film after he was trying to take a flight from New York to Chicago, and uh, it actually took him five days to get home. So that's kind of what prompted this whole uh, this yeah. whole movie. I was kind of happy to see that. Uh, that's about it that I have here. If you've got anything else you want to throw in and add about this? No, I mean, it's it's an overall good – it's an overall really, really awesome comedy. It's, it's one of those things where it's surprising because to me, Steve Martin is father of the bride. You know, yes. Steve, you know Steve Martin is, is that type of character in, in his acting. Steve Martin is – Sergeant Bilko, Steve Martin is all these other characters, and if you didn't even look at the 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 poster or or the DVD case or whatever else, I not that I forgot that he was in the movie, but it's like it, it, this is one of the roles where it's like, oh hey, Steve Martin, cool, I remember this movie now, yeah, and it's because of that eighteen fucks. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that, you, that you remember the movie, um, but you know, again, this is Candy at his at his peak. Uh, very, very awesome. Uh, as I said before, there aren't a lot of Thanksgiving mo- like Thanksgiving is turkey and football. That's really what Thanksgiving is, and that's what Thanksgiving has been. Huh? Unfortunately, you're right. That's what Thanksgiving has been for as long as I've been on this planet, 33 years. That's what Thanksgiving has always been. There aren't a lot of Thanksgiving films. And the fact that this is one, uh, go watch it, folks. Yeah. (laughs) If you like road trips, if you like, you know, getting home to family disasters as far as it being a disaster to get home – uh, if you just like the actors, I'm, I'm telling you, there is not a moment that you won't find either endearing or or humorous in this movie whatsoever. It's it's just such a great comedy. I mean, I, and I have to be honest, the first time I saw this film, I was – I want to say I was probably 14 or 15. It, it's not that I didn't want to see it. I just had never sat down to watch it before, and it was on TV. I sat there and watched it. It was kind of like – Oh, this isn't too bad. And then I, I kind of came back to it again and I was kind of like, you know what? This is actually a really good film. And 
I laughed. There's there are scenes in there just to laugh about, uh, especially like in the hotel when uh, Steve Martin goes to wipe his face and he finds out that he's wiping his face with John Candy's gigantic underwear. underwear yes. <laughs> Uh, you know, just little scenes like that. It's kind of like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm laughing at this. And it was a good movie. I I didn't like, you know, the end, I always felt like I wanted to cry at the end, you know. And, and you know, yeah, it's stupid, but it's still just a great, great film. And you really, it, it, as you said, you really do need to watch this film. Everybody should be seeing this. Whether you take road trips, you travel at all, this will make you appreciate everything a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah, and especially, you know, compared to what they dealt with then and what we deal with now traveling. Yeah. Can you imagine? Not that I ever want them to remake this movie because obviously John's no longer with us and Steve has kind of moved on. But um, I don't want them to dumb and dumber this movie up at all whatsoever. But if they remade this movie, like this type of film today – I can just imagine the hilarity that that who you know you could put any comedic actor in there now, and and be like, wow, yeah, uh, be interesting if they ever did an 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 update of this film style of this film plot. Not necessarily planes, trains, automobiles too. Not necessarily planes, trains, automobiles. The remake where uh, the suit is like. 20 times thinner than the original RoboCop. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, there, there's reboots and there's reboots. This is not one that needs one. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But it would be interesting to see if someone would do this today and see how the how how far the, the, the traveling for the holidays does come. Yeah. And I'm glad that this is a Thanksgiving movie and not a Christmas movie because we have so many Christmas movies. Like – once Hughes did, did Home Alone and Home Alone 2, there were so many other Christmas movies of traveling and getting to the gate on time and Run Run Rudolph and everything else. I'm actually happy that this takes place at Thanksgiving and not Christmas. Yeah. I mean I'm, I'm glad that they have – it's very few. I mean I know that National Lampoon's had – they were going to do a Thanksgiving vacation with Judge Reinhold playing as Clark Griswold. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Ugh. Thank you. I, I saw it and I'm like, what? No, 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 no. Don't ruin us. Uh, but yeah, they, they, you know, this is probably one of the better ones that I'm glad that they've actually come out with. And it does have that theme around Thanksgiving. So, uh, well, I think that about wraps it up for this episode here. Uh, I do want to thank everybody for listening to Talking About My Generation. Uh, please feel free to leave us feedback on iTunes. Uh, you can send us a tweet. I am at S-P-R-Z-O-U-T, Sprizout. Uh Mike, if they want to get a hold of you, how can they get a, get in touch with you? You can uh, like my Facebook fan page. It's uh, just search for TFG2Mike. Uh, on Twitter, I am TFG1Mike, or you can comment on any of the posts on geekcastradio.com. Currently, we are in the middle of the Top 100 Animated Films Countdown. We just released, um, probably as of this recording, we will be releasing episode 54, which is numbers 60 through 41. Um, that's been, it's it's over 30 different contributors. Uh, have It's not just us at GCRN that made the personal list to combine into a master list. It's 
uh, 21 Network, This Week in Geek.net, a um, whole bunch of other geek networks. And uh, we, we ranked over 350 different films to make up what is what will be our top 100. And we've got that project going on. Um, I've got the pull bag going on as of this recording. It's our comic book show. It's comic book review slash discussion show. We are running a contest of evil celebrating DC's villains month, which happened, uh, this past September, uh, deadline is December 9th. Basically email me your favorite villain and why it's your favorite DC villain. Uh, and you'll be entered to win a, a necessary evil prize pack, which is the DVD documentary and the the trade paperback that came with it, or the companion that comes with it. Um, we've got a whole bunch of stuff going on over at geekcastradio.com, so just go check out the website. Uh, and that's pretty much all I can think of, think of at this point. All right. Well, I do want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to sign off this episode with uh, Red River Rock by Silicon Teens.
<laughs> no, Mom's gonna do the turkey. Yeah, Dad wants ambrosia, so I guess we gotta get those miniature marshmallows. And I'll do the crescent rolls, and you do the cranberry. You know I can't cook. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll see you tomorrow, then. Gobble, gobble. Welcome to Marathon. May I help you? Yes. How may I help you? You can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks. Then you can give me a fucking automobile, a fucking Datsun, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang, a fucking Buick, four fucking wheels and a seat. I really don't care for the way you're speaking to me. I really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there. And I really didn't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway to get back here to have you smile at my fucking face. I want a fucking car right fucking now. I see your rental agreement. I threw it away. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, what? You're fucked.